the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio. The answer on this beautiful Saturday, October 30th, 2021. Our show is brought to you courtesy of Border Hawk News. If you want to know anything about new, about the borders, immigration, uh, migrations across the world, Border Hawk News is the place to go. Uh, let me remind everyone also that our program is pre-recorded. You don't need to call the station today. You don't need to call the station right now. So, um, without further ado, let me tell you who our guests are because uh, we've got uh, a packed show today. Uh, first of all, we've got Mr. Scott Leeton. Uh, Scott is president of the Corpus Christi Police Officers Association, and I wanted to get him on because the Biden administration continues to push for a national, a national police force. That is dangerous, my friends. I thought we already had a national police force in uh, in in the uh, Justice Department, in the FBI, uh, DEA, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But apparently, uh, that's not enough for the. Uh, Biden administration. So I wanted uh, Scott, who is president of the Corpus Christi Police Officers Association, to come on and talk to us about um, what's good about having a local police force. Then we also have Mr. Ar- Andrew Arthur. We call him Art. Uh, Andrew Arthur is with the uh, uh, Center for Immigration Studies in Washington, D.C. They had a panel discussion regarding the issue of asylum. Uh, and and the border crisis this past week. And I wanted to get him on to explain to us what the heck is going on with all of these asylum claims that and, and people that are just getting released into the United States. Our next guest, Gregory Ribs, who is with the uh, Wilson County News here in, uh, here in South Texas. And Gregory is going to be talking about uh, the car chases, uh, car chases regarding uh, folks who are smuggling illegal aliens or drugs in some cases, but uh, cars that are uh, vehicles that are smuggling illegal aliens. And uh, those car chases are now affecting uh, a lot of communities uh, far away from the border, particularly like in, in, uh, in this case, uh, Wilson County, which is about 120 miles north of the border. Uh, there have been some car chases uh, and damage in uh, their community. Our final guest is Mr. Luis de la Garza, who is the Webb County Republican Chair. And Luis uh, is, uh, Webb County is Laredo, which is right on the border. And Luis is going to be talking about a recent incident with the Democrat chair being a little bit uh, snardly, shall we say, uh, in an incident that uh, was caught on a hot mic. So folks, Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for for supporting us. Let's go to our first guest. And uh, we've got uh, a new guest with us, Mr. Scott Leeton, who is the president of the Corpus Christi Police Officers Association. I wanted to ask him, I wanted to get him on because uh, this past week in Washington, uh, very quietly, they continue the the, uh, House uh, continues to push for, uh, well, in the Biden administration itself, but uh, the, the House Democrats and, and the Biden administration continue to push for a national police force. And uh, since um, Scott is president of a local organization, 
I wanted to get his perspective of a national police force versus um, a local police force. Scott, thank you for taking time to be with us. Welcome to the show. Absolutely, absolutely, it's my pleasure. Thank you. What What are your thoughts on this on this issue of a national police force versus local police forces? You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is a national police force sounds like we have a, a, a military running the police or being the police. Uh, obviously, I believe the Constitution prohibits such, you know, the, the military uh, running the country, so to speak. So that's the first thing that comes to mind. The second thing is uh, the fact that each community, each city is different. Um, we, we know that just with what we see in the lives of that we live, whether it's the news or, like I said, our lives ourselves. So what what works in one city may not work in, in another city. What's good for one state doesn't work in, in another state. And I think this is just another example of what's been kind of discussed quietly as local control. So what's effective in Corpus or what's ineffective in Corpus may not be effective or effective uh, in, in another city. And, and I think that's probably the biggest issue. What one community wants out of their police department may not be what another community wants, and and I think we see that across the nation. One of the things that has come to my mind is uh, right now, the past couple of days, there's been a lot of discussion of how uh, the Homeland Security Secretary is limiting the uh, enforcement, the law enforcement, the immigration law enforcement officers. They can't um, arrest folks on certain areas, and in, in, in uh, and they uh, can. And the border patrol even can only do certain things. If there was a a, a uh, an administration that uh, wasn't too friendly to the police, couldn't they curtail and limit what uh, the police force the police do? Absolutely. If we had a national police force, and I think you're you're kind of saying what I'm saying, and that. Uh, if we had a national police force, that it doesn't work in each community. Each community has what they what they desire to have out of their police force, and and so uh, I think we're mimicking exactly what what each other's thoughts are. What? Uh, how is uh, you know the morale in your organization? Because we hear a lot about the morale being pretty bad in other police uh, police. Uh, uh, associations or, or, or departments like, well, particularly like New York and Chicago right now. Sure. And, and, you know, there, there's always time, there's always highs and lows, but I think we're constant relative would, would be the best word. Um, and in, in Corpus, we're very, very fortunate that we have a community that supports us. We have a council that supports us. Uh, the council is uh, increasing the number of officers uh, above attrition. So they added 10 this year. Last year they added five. Uh, we currently have an, an ongoing academy right now that started at 50, and we've never had an academy that big. I think the biggest one we've had is 35 or 38 type of thing. So um, in, in corpus, we're, we're very fortunate. We don't have problems, especially like we've seen in our own backyard in Austin. Uh, where the, the council defunded the police, and, and now they're trying to play catch-up. They, they have big problems there. I think they had a department of a little over 1,900 officers, and it's sitting around 1,600 or sub-1,600 at this point. Wow. It, it, it really, it's amazing. The, um, the, the situation with, um, uh, that we hear a lot about are, 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 are the police community relations uh, of uh uh, police uh, not uh, having good relationships with with certain communities. Uh, do you think uh, you know how how can that be better addressed by police officers? Well, I, I think a lot of times what we have to remember is that the, the officers are made up of people of the community, um, and the, the realization is that we are we deal with the people that a lot of times maybe we grew up with. Uh, and the fact that, that, you know, we are dealing with people, whether it's, uh, you know, the rich or the poor or the educated versus the uneducated type. So just being cognizant of that and addressing the needs of the people, which I think we've come full circle at this point, George. 
understand the makeup of what your community is, and that that's the important thing is understanding the desire of the community. Gotcha. If uh, you know, in your world, what do you think are the biggest challenges for police officers right now? Um, the concept that's been that's been going around of the defunding the police uh, is the biggest thing, and the second thing would be the, the negative publicity. It's not being portrayed accurately, or it's it's making our um, our officers pull back and uh, maybe hesitate in things that they do because they don't want to be on the front page of the newspaper tomorrow morning for something that happened or the news. Gotcha. Uh, so the, the funding and the negative press are having a, an extreme adverse effect on our officers. Gotcha. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I see, I see a lot of criticism regarding how they handle somebody who is uh, mentally ill or somebody who's homeless, uh, how they handle warrants. They're not supposed to chase, car, uh, get involved in car chases. It's very, very difficult, I would say, to uh, to uh, be a police officer at this point. Oh, there's no doubt. It has changed. I've been on 36 years, and it has dramatically changed from the time that I started to uh, to the world that we live in right now. Gotcha. Well, th- I want to thank you for taking time to be with us. Anything else that you'd like to share with us before we let you go? I think we covered the hot points. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we got to get you back on because um, because there's a lot of discussion, a lot of issues that are always going on uh, regarding local law enforcement, and I'd really like to get your perspective on it. Sounds great. Anytime. I appreciate it. You got it. Be safe, Scott. Thank you. You too. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer, here in San Antonio. And uh, we've got uh, a uh, new uh, uh, guest with us, uh, Mr. Andrew Arthur. He goes by Art. And um, he is with the he is a policy director with the uh, Center for Immigration Studies. We've got a lot of uh, our friends over at Center for Immigration Studies that are on our show on a regular basis. But we wanted to get him on because uh, the Center for Immigration uh, uh, the Center for Immigration uh, Studies just recently had a panel discussion this past week, and uh, they touched on some very very important stuff uh, that's affecting us here in South Texas and that we're seeing uh, regarding the policies of the uh, Biden administration. So, uh, Art, welcome to the show. Tell us about this panel that you guys had this past week. Well, we had a panel this week uh, taking a look at uh, asylum and the ongoing border crisis. Uh, And this is a subject that I've been looking at for decades. Uh, I'm nearing my 30th year in immigration. And I was honored to be joined by Representative Mike Johnson of Louisiana, who is the number four Republican in House leadership in the House of Representatives. Uh, Representative Johnson has introduced some legislation that would improve the asylum system at the southwest border. It would help us to uh, eliminate frivolous claims and fraudulent claims, and it would expedite the process by which we can ensure that individuals who are truly fearing persecution can be granted uh, asylum. Now, this issue of, uh, of, of everyone asking for asylum, I mean, that's become almost a, uh, it's almost become laughable here for us in South Texas because we see everyone claiming asylum. And, uh, and then where they used to have to wait across the border or, or uh, wait in Mexico, as, as the policy was, now they're just coming across, uh, claiming asylum and disappearing. 
yeah. did you guys discuss that? Oh, we, we discussed that in depth, and it's important, you know, very quickly just rehash how the system is supposed to work. If uh, any foreign national enters the United States illegally, then that individual is supposed to be subject to something called expedited removal. They get sent back home very quickly. They don't have to appear before an immigration judge. Uh, but if the uh, if you know that migrant then asserts a fear of harm or requests asylum, the uh, migrant is handed over to an asylum officer from U.S. Uh, Citizenship and Immigration Services, who will determine whether that foreign national has what's called a credible fear of persecution. Uh, during a 12-year period between FY 2008 and FY 2019. Asylum officers found that uh, 83% of all uh, migrants who were in expedited removal who claimed credible fear had a credible fear, but at the end of the day, only about 17% of them were actually granted asylum. So the credible fear standard is much lower than the asylum standard, which is not terribly high itself. More interestingly, however, is the fact that almost one in three, 32.5% of all of those migrants who were found to have a credible fear of persecution failed to show up subsequently at their removal hearings and were ordered removed in absentia. So you had just about, you know, close to uh, twice the odds of not showing up that you did of being granted asylum, which indicates that those asylum claims were never that strong to begin with. Under law, all of those migrants are supposed to be detained when they enter the United States uh, and up until the point when they're granted asylum or ordered removed. In December 2009, however, the Obama administration, John Horton, who was the head of ICE, issued a directive that if an alien uh, received a positive credible fear determination from an asylum officer that they should be released. Now, again, that's not what the Immigration Nationality Act says, but that is uh, a decision that they made. Consequently, the number of people who claimed credible fear went from uh, just over 5,100, close to 5,200 in FY 2009, to 105,000 by FY 2019. In FY 2013, which is about three years after uh, Morton had issued that directive, about 1% of aliens expedited removal uh, claimed a fear of harm. This year's uh, border disaster, on the other hand, Mr. Rodriguez, 70% of aliens in expedited removal claimed that they were The smugglers uh, have identified this as a loophole that will get their clients, as they were, into the United States, and that's why we're seeing everybody claiming asylum today, and that's really a part of the migrant crisis on the southwest border. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, um, I reported... Um, and, 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 you know, it was confirmed that um, Congresswoman, um, oh gosh, uh, from El Paso, the, oh, a Congresswoman from El Paso was actually sending her staffers across the border into Juarez to uh, counsel folks on what to say and uh, what to, uh, you know, what loopholes to exploit, literally, uh, when they... Uh, came across, and one of them was, of course, claiming asylum. Um, you know, can we not close that loop, or is there, or, or I mean, what can be done to address that? Again, uh, you know, if you tell someone to lie uh, about an asylum claim, that's one thing. If you make them aware of the fact that asylum is a protection that's available to them, you know, that is, you know, perfectly legitimate, you know, protected speech. Um, but that is why the detention mandate in uh, the Immigration Nationality Act is so crucial. Again, if people have legitimate asylum claims, we can uh, you know, have those claims heard. I was an immigration judge. I heard a lot of credible fear uh, cases in about you know, uh, 30 to 60 days. If those individuals are released into the United States, however, it can take you know, five, six years before their asylum claims are heard. Next time in which they are allowed to live and work in the United States. So the whole point of entering the United States illegally is to live and work here while well, you've gotten the benefit of the bargain. Under the uh, Biden administration's current uh, enforcement regime, none of those individuals are likely to ever be removed from the United States. So in essence, it's just a, it's, it's a back alley into the United States. We want to make sure that aliens who need protection can get protection, but we don't want the system to be abused if it is. The American 
that's why it's crucial. And what President Trump did, he realized that he didn't have enough detention space for the 851,000-plus migrants who came in FY 2019. So he instituted uh, the Migrant Protection Protocols, known as Remain in Mexico. Under that uh, process, people were sent back to Mexico to await their removal hearings. They showed up at ports. Laredo was one. Um, and there was a court set up there where judges could hear their uh, asylum claims very quickly. In October 2019, in its assessment of the Remain in Mexico policy, the Department of Homeland Security determined that it was a success. Uh, it deterred in, uh, individuals who had frivolous or fraudulent asylum claims from making them and expedited the good claims that people had. One of the first things that the Biden administration did when it came into office, however, was to end MPP, uh, or to you know put it on hold, and then it was eventually ended in June by uh, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. However, uh, Judge Matthew Kaczmarek uh, in Texas has ordered a re-implementation of the migrant protection protocols because what the Biden administration is doing instead of detention or sending people back to wait for the removal hearings in Mexico is to just release them into the United States. The uh, judge was very clear they couldn't do that. In the Fifth Circuit, it was even more clear that they couldn't do that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, you know, that's the uh, Biden administration is reluctantly re-implementing MPP, but, you know, how vigorously it does so remains to be seen. Let me ask you real quick, because we're getting close to our, to our end here, but let me ask you real quick, the situation that was announced this past week regarding um, the uh, a reparation for families that were separated, uh, offering them four hundred fifty thousand um, uh, dollars. You know, I'm I'm in shock, as many others are. Uh, isn't that going to encourage more families? Or are, are are we not rewarding a family for crossing the border illegally? getting separated because they the adult came in illegally and as well as the children getting separated uh you know what 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 are we thinking here yeah no i mean that's absolutely the point and quite frankly if there's anything that's going to encourage more people to enter the united states legal it's a proposal like this very briefly uh, in April of 2018, uh, then uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions you know, saw that there was this huge influx of uh, migrants entering the United States illegally, and he issued a directive that all adult migrants who entered the United States illegally were supposed to be prosecuted, which is what the law actually calls for. Um, as a consequence, they went into DOJ custody, the Marshal Service custody, the kids who were in DHS custody because of the 2008 law that's problematic in and of itself became unaccompanied alien children and were sent over to the Department of Health and Human Services, believe it or not. That was the separation. During that period, and uh, President Trump faced a lot of backlash on this, and he ended it on June the 20th, 2018, 75 days after it was implemented. During that period of time, uh, there were about 2,816 children who were sent to HHS when parents were uh, prosecuted. What President Biden's administration is proposing is giving not the family $450,000, but each of the people involved. So the kid would get four fifty, the parent would get four fifty. Um, so you could be talking about a million dollars plus for individuals. Amazing. You know? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so it, it's actually worse than it appears. But, you know, here's really the kicker, Mr. Rodriguez. The Biden administration, in its continuing resolution earlier this year, wanted to take that money, that $450,000 per person, out of Border Patrol's budget. Oh, it wanted to take money from Border Patrol and from ICE to uh, pay those settlements. Again, there's not, there was nothing illegal. Punishment. Uh, punishment for doing their job. <laughs> for doing their jobs. I mean, you know, it, it's odd the way that you know law enforcement agents, can they don't care who the president is or what the policy is. They do what they're told. But the Biden administration treats Border Patrol agents and is treating ICE officers, you know, like they're criminals, like they're the, like they're the offenders in this system. Now, whether or not that money ends up coming from, uh, you know, CBP and ICE budgets is a different issue. But still, a million dollars per family, close to, you know, pay for them entering the United States illegally is simply going to encourage more people to come here illegally with a kid, and that's problematic for a very specific reason. The bipartisan federal panel in 2019 found that those 
those children are exposed to significant danger, significant harm, and they're all traumatized during that journey to the United States. Yep. There's, I, I mean, that's really what the, what the Trump administration was attempting to uh, counteract, but all of this got, you know, lost in the churn in the media who, you know, saw everything that Donald Trump did as related to immigration as anti-immigrant. Right. And he was pilloried for it. So that's the background for this. But yeah, about a million plus per family. Oh, my gosh. Well, let's hold our breath on that one because, I, you know, I, I certainly hope it doesn't happen. Folks, we've been speaking with uh, our good friend, Mr. Andrew Arthur, Policy Director at uh, Center for Immigration Studies. And uh, we uh, thank you for taking time to be with us, Andrew. We uh, Art, we will certainly uh, give you a call again as things progress because we, we need to be well, we need to be conscious of what's ha- what's happening in, in D.C., these policy issues, and have somebody explain them to us. Thank you so much for having me. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Howdy, howdy, once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got uh, a new gentleman, a new guest with us, uh, Mr. Gregory Rips, who is a reporter with the Wilson County News uh, here in South Texas. And uh, I wanted to reach out to him because he's recently done a report about uh, Wilson County residents being concerned uh, with bailouts. Bailouts are those situations where illegal aliens will jump out of a car or a truck uh, or whatever vehicle they're in, will jump out and uh, run away, uh, try to avoid apprehension, etc., etc. It's uh, very, very dangerous because it can occur in the middle of the street, it can occur on a private property, uh, wherever. And, um, you know, the other interesting situation like this is that um, we've got uh, uh, Wilson County is actually about 100, 120 miles north of the border. It's not on the border, yet it is being affected and impacted on by these bailouts, by the the, the surge at the border uh, as well. So uh, let's talk to uh, to Gregory. Gregory? Thank you for taking time to be with us. Tell us, first of all, about the situation with the bailouts in Wilson County. We've had uh, two bailouts in uh, Wilson County, one on the uh, 12th and one on the uh, 16th. And uh, although we suspect that uh, many uh, undocumented immigrants have uh, traveled through here, it's a unique situation to have two such incidents occur where law enforcement is chasing a uh, vehicle suspected of having uh, an overabundance of uh, illegal passengers and uh, resulting in a uh, crash of sorts with the occupants uh, taking off in all directions. Uh, The first incident occurred uh, again on the uh, 12th and it just happened that uh, a landowner was out uh, on his tractor shredding a neighbor's field next to a wooded area and uh, he just had happened to look back at his shredder and uh, saw this silver Chevrolet pickup truck uh, bouncing uh, through the wooded area. And then uh, 40 to uh, 60 feet from him, it uh, got stuck in a, a hole and could no longer travel forward. And uh, 10, 12 or more uh, occupants uh, got out of the truck and started running in all directions. Now, uh, the tractor driver uh, regularly carries a... Uh, Smith and Weston 32 caliber pistol with him in case he meets some uh, kinds of varmints ranging from snakes to wild hogs. And he saw a couple of the uh, first while passengers of the vehicle coming toward him, and he wanted to let them know that he was armed. 
So he purposely fired his pistol into the ground, and, uh, of course, they took off in another direction. About that time, his neighbor came out, also armed, and they managed to uh, hold uh, two of the uh, occupants for a while, uh, which was not too long, because the uh, Wilson County Sheriff's Department showed up pretty quickly. Apparently, uh, one of the deputies had seen the truck earlier and was uh, following it, but it lost it because the truck had decided to crash through a uh, fence and go into uh, landowners' properties. And, uh, of course, it took for the wooded area, hoping to uh, not be discovered. But uh, luckily, I suppose, because the truck uh, got stuck, it couldn't go any farther, and the uh, sheriff's department caught up to them. Unfortunately, they caught only one other uh, of the occupants of the truck, uh, in addition to the two that were already being held. They did not catch the driver. So that was the first incident. Tell us about the second one. All right. The, the second one occurred just a few days later, and... Uh, another part of the county. Actually, the chase in this case had started in, in Atascosa, but as Atascosa deputies uh, approached the Wilson County line, they broke off and uh, turned it over to Wilson County Sheriff's Office. The truck uh, was unable to accomplish a uh, turn and ran into a tree, uh, which caused the uh, vehicle to... Uh, in turn run into a house, uh, causing severe damage to the tree and some damage to the corner of the house. Uh, in this case, the uh, some of the occupants, in fact, most of the occupants were injured in, in the crash. I might point out that in both cases, these were four-door trucks uh, with the interiors stripped out so that only the driver had a comfortable seat. This made room for at least 10 uh, passengers crammed in where they could not be easily seen. So with these uh, cramped conditions, uh, a number of these uh, passengers, uh, 10 in all, were uh, uh, held on the property and uh, they were all transported to uh, local hospitals with injuries. The driver in this case was uh, apprehended, and uh, he has been charged with uh, 10 counts of smuggling of persons, along with some other charges related to his attempt to escape uh, law enforcement. Let me, and, let, let me ask you this question. Um, Gregory, the um, uh, in your article you indicate that the residents of Wilson County are concerned. What's the concern? What concerns do they have about these bailouts? Well, uh, there were uh, initial reports uh, after the first bailout. Uh, people saw strangers wandering around on their property and uh, obviously were concerned that they were up to no good. Uh, the uh, uh, chief deputy, as is uh, most cases, these people are not likely to uh, attack someone, but uh, at the same time, he urges caution. It is possible, too, that they could um, take things um, in their desperation to get away. Um, another thing that uh, he points out, uh, that... Uh, they will try to get out of the immediate area as quickly as they can. Uh, and apparently uh, the smuggling system has become uh, sophisticated enough that many of them have cell phones with them. And as soon as an incident happens where they're no longer in one vehicle, they will call for pickup from someone else who apparently from the cell phone, I gather, uh, can find their position. So they do have backup plans, uh, particularly the um, driver. And that's what the county sheriff told me. 
that's amazing. You know, it, it seems like like it's very, very well organized, very, very well thought through, and it's just a question of, um, you know, uh, whether or not they get through uh, these these chases if they can make it out. <clears throat> Is there any fear that these chases may cause uh, uh, injury to residents or citizens, a wreck or something? Well, of course, there's there's that danger. There is the danger that, uh, that they may have the coronavirus or other diseases and uh, 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 spread them to residents. Just the general idea that you don't know uh, who is uh, coming here just to uh, make some money or perhaps find a better life or those who are uh, members of a drug cartel or uh, up to other mischief. So you don't know who these people are. And uh, without uh, any documentation, uh, you can't tell. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> that's, that's very, very true. Gregory, um, we understand that uh, Wilson County has, uh, that the uh, county judge has uh, declared or has signed a declaration uh, of emergency for the county. Uh, we know that there are many other counties in Texas that have uh, signed a similar declaration uh, because of the border crisis. Uh, tell us about uh, what's uh, the, the declaration in, in, in Wilson County. Yes, uh, this morning, that is uh, October uh, 22nd, uh, Judge Richard L. Dickey Jackson of uh, Wilson County uh, signed a declaration of a local state of disaster, which addresses the, the problem of uh, trafficking. And uh, basically, uh, he is saying that uh, this is a danger to the public health and safety of the residents of the county. And uh, he considers it an imminent threat of disaster. Uh, and uh, these uh, steps are, are taken to, uh, in his words, uh, preserve the territorial integrity of the county. He's calling on additional uh, uh, law enforcement assistance, and uh, he's also uh, put uh, uh, the emergency management plan of the county uh, into effect. So... Uh, this county is taking the situation very seriously. Yeah, I guess. I guess. You know, the, the the amount of resources that are being swallowed up, the local resources being swallowed up by uh, this this border crisis, uh, a lot of people just don't seem to understand. They just don't seem to get it. In, in the amount of man, manpower and the, the amount of, uh, of gas and fuel that's used up and the amount of... Uh, uh, medical attention, et cetera, et cetera. Well, yes, that's uh, very true. And uh, it remains to be seen uh, what other actions uh, will actually uh, take place as a result of this declaration. But uh, so far, Wells County has not experienced uh, the, the uh, trafficking that other counties have, but uh, it, it is, has finally hit uh, Wilson County. Yep. And uh, people are being made aware of it. Yeah, they they truly are. Well, once again, we want to thank you for um, for sharing this information with us, and uh, we um, you know we will we will stay in touch to see what else uh, transpires, and you know you can keep us informed. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP nine thirty AM radio, the answer. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk. Dot news. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, 
on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer, here in San Antonio. And we've got uh, a new guest with us. Uh, he is the Webb County uh, chairman for the Republican Party, uh, Mr. Luis de la Garza. And uh, I wanted to reach out to Luis because there was a recent incident uh, that uh, has occurred with regarding with uh, involving, should I say, the Democrat chair, uh, Miss Sylvia Bruni, and uh, this is not the first time, or the the first time that an indiscretion, shall we call it, has occurred uh, with Miss uh, Bruni uh, during the uh, the campaign, the presidential campaign. She also made some comments uh, regarding the. Uh, Trump train folks, uh, and, uh, and so it looks like she's got um, an, a habit of doing this. Uh, Mr. De La Garza, Luis, thank you for taking time to be with us. Tell us about this latest incident uh, well, George, for comments. Well, George, yes, thank you. Uh, George, first of all, thank you for inviting me to your, to your show, and uh, happy to be here. And uh, last week, uh, there was a televised uh, program where information was uh, being presented and then and, and put by the Democrat chair, uh, Ms. Bruni. And it so happened that towards the end of the interview, they asked her about was she afraid about Trump coming back and making uh, being reelected. And I'm paraphrasing, obviously. And basically, her response was, well, I'm not so much afraid of the Trump train. I mean, excuse me, of the Trump himself. He goes, I'm afraid. Uh, le tengo miedo a la gente, porque es una gente estúpida. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, uh, and she goes to say, and then she later on goes on to basically say, uh, not only are, are they that, but they're also segregationists. They're racist and they're two percent. <laughs> now, for the, for the audience that doesn't speak English, <laughs> I mean Spanish, tell them what uh, what uh, give them a translation of uh, the, the translation. Basically, says Trump voters are stupid. <laughs> Jeez, and and and, and in Spanish, it, there's a lot more meaning to it. Yeah, than, right. And it's, yeah, it carries and, more weight. And, you know, <laughs> you're here at the border, like I am, and it's it's a. Uh, it, it's taking at a, at a different level. It's not just a stupid remark. It's, it's something a little more than that. And uh, what we find is, you know, that comment is uh, was very insulting, you know, because not only was she addressing the almost 30,000 Republican voters in, in Laredo, in Webb County, but, you know, the 75 million voters that uh, across the United States voted for our, our past president, uh, Trump. And so, uh, I, 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 this, and like you mentioned, this is not the first time she has uh, made incendiary comments like that. You know, uh, during the Trump train or during the, uh, the election, actually, she also said that they were, uh, that we were Republican bullies. Bullies. At the polling, yes, at the, at the polling places, you know, uh, there was a, a, a Border Patrol representative uh, from the union at, at one of the polling, uh, polling places, and she addressed him as a bully, as a Republican bully in, in, here in Laredo. So, Which is very, very interesting because he's a Border Patrol agent. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I'm under the assumption that none of the voters are illegal aliens. What, what do they have to worry about? You know, the, we seem to have a, a an incredible new movement, and it's been happening since uh, the, the uh, President Trump uh, and and coming up to the, his second re-election that we started seeing this momentum happening. And so, any time, you know, in my opinion, that they feel threatened by the, uh, the 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 numbers of Republicans that are coming out to vote and support. Thing, they they attack us viciously, and they attack us with uh, with things with 
let, let me ask you this, because, I mean, there, uh, you know, her attack is very, very ironic, given that her own party in Webb County uh, has has uh, been in a quandary. Uh, I was down there for a border rally in March, uh-huh. and my understanding is uh, that that we were condemned, the, that the rally was condemned by the Laredo City Council, which is Democrat, 100%, my understanding. But then they turned around a few weeks later, and they themselves condemned the Biden administration's policies for the open border. Correct. So what's going on with these people? Well, you know, we're, we're trying to get some consistency uh, from our from our elected officials, and and that's, that's one of the push that we have here locally, is to try and understand, you know, one week they're saying something, and then the following week they're saying something else. Uh, you know, I think our mayor got it correct when he, not too long ago, about two, three weeks ago, he basically said uh, Trump had it correct. You know, he understood what immigration is, understood the policies at the border, that we need to retain the the... The people wanting to come across the border, they need to remain in Mexico, you know, and follow the process of the immigration that's in place. You know, why the president, the, the local, the, the present pre, uh, administration is ignoring the laws and with executive orders overriding that, it, it makes no sense. It makes no sense uh, to, as, as to most people, I, I think now in, in the Webb County, Laredo area. Because we, we just have an influx of not only in, uh, illegals coming in, because once you cross the border, you're an illegal, and, and, and you're not an undocumented person, you're an illegal. And they need, they need to follow the rules and regulations, and for the administration to just allow thousands at a time to come in, and with no, no credentials, no paperwork, no background, you know, not only are they coming in probably with illnesses, with, you know, uh, all kinds of uh, smallpox, measles, and heaven knows what else, COVID. And, but, they, but the present administration is saying, well, wait a minute, guys, uh, because you're, you're like this, we're going to be putting you in hotels, and we're going to be, be leaving you there in hotels till we get some kind of uh, uh, paperwork for you and meanwhile, we give you uh, uh, food, and we give you rest, and, and we, we, the taxpayers, are going to pay your hotel uh, for all you illegal aliens coming into the country. You know, yeah. I do not understand. I do not. Let, uh, let, let me ask you before, before I let you go, because it's very, very critical. Um, there is uh, a, a uh, mayor uh, in McAllen that was recently elected who is— uh, Exactly. Who is Republican? There is a, um, uh, there are uh, a couple of counties that went red uh, in the uh, in the presidential election, including Zapata, um, correct? And what uh, I mean, Webb is, is is a key in all of this. How is Webb's Webb County's conservative Republican? Uh, how 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 is it looking right now? I think there is an, an incredible movement that is happening right now that I've been that I've seen over the last two years. The, the, the people are starting to realize, and I believe they're starting to have a voters' remorse, you know, with what's happening because of the situation. You know, we've had a, a closed borders for you know 19 months now. You know, the economy in our downtown the stores have suffered tremendously. And thank goodness they're going to be opening up in November uh, is, the, is the word that we're having to be able to, I guess, save some of the stores that are maybe existing in the downtown area. So, but the movement is, is, is getting more momentum, and I feel that we're, we're uh, ready to, to start seeing a basic change. You know, at the last election, we had uh, almost 30%, 37%, excuse me, 37% of the voters go Republican, you know, which was an unheard of number even up to eight years ago. And and so we have made a 
having to put the bill for for people that have not worked have not have put in their two cents worth into our our economy paying taxes and things like that so they're they're uh, uh, definitely definitely uh, uh, hurting uh, the, the local people and probably taxpayers across the nation also because we're the ones that are having to put the, the bill for all these elites Wow. You know, it, it's very, very uh, interesting. And folks, you know, uh, a, a lot of a lot of the uh, news media, the liberal news media paints all Hispanics as being pro uh, open borders, pro illegal aliens. And it's very, very, uh, you know, they need to hear uh, folks from who actually live on the border, uh, what what they're seeing and what uh, what they feel. Exactly. Exactly. You know, and then and, and then, you know, also the President Ministry, to hold back the Border Patrol, to hold back law enforcement from doing their job in, in carrying out the laws of the country that are in the books, you know, is, is, is an insult to, to that's even more law outrageous. enforcement and Border Patrol. Yeah, that's even more outrageous. That it really, really, truly is. Buddy, we're going to have to let you go, but uh, I thank you for being on our show. I really want to get you back on as... Um, as uh, things progress, so you can give us an update of what is going on. Absolutely, anytime, Georgia. And, and, and thank you once again for, for giving me the opportunity to express what we have here at the board. You got it. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good friend, uh, Mr. Luis de la Garza, the uh, chairman of the Republican Party in Webb County, Laredo, Texas. Thank you very much, Luis. It's my pleasure. Good evening. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.